Hey, Center Church, welcome to Church Online Easter Edition. We are super excited that you decided to join us. So we just encourage you, grab your family, grab some coffee, maybe a donut, maybe a veggie tray, whatever you prefer, and enjoy. Good morning. Happy Easter to all of you. For the very first time that I'm aware of in the last 2,000 years, the global church, the entire church, has actually been inhibited from gathering together to celebrate Easter. It's the, the first time that I'm aware of that's ever happened all the way across the globe. And at first glance, certainly there's some that's unfortunate on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, I'm really excited about the fact that the gospel is being declared and the resurrection is being celebrated in more places than ever before through the use of technology. And it's really true that the global church is one united family under God, regardless of whether we're gathered or scattered. So I want to say to you, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day to you watching near and far. We're so glad that you're here to be part of the celebration here at Center Church. Jesus Christ is the central figure in human history. And the central event of his life happened over the course of one weekend, his crucifixion and his resurrection. And for centuries before he was born, prophets were foretelling what the life and death of the Messiah would look like. His crucifixion and his resurrection were both foretold long before he happened. And what I find so fascinating is that at the time Jesus was alive, he was day by day fulfilling the prophecies about the Messiah. And the people knew the prophecies. They were looking, they were waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, to come. But then when he showed up and he did all of the things that they thought he would do, it was like their eyes were just covered. They, they didn't see him. They didn't recognize who he was at the time. In the book of Acts, which was written roughly 40 years after the fact, the author, Luke, describes, he recalls the events of Easter weekend. So I've asked a couple members of the Center Church family right from their own home with their cell phones to read for us from Acts chapter 13. Hi, Center Church. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him. But they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. Good morning, Center Church. We are the Andersons from Puyallup, and we will be reading Acts chapter 13, verses 27 through 31. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus yet. In condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and lay him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Happy, Happy Easter! Easter!
We hope to see you soon. So great to see you guys. So great to see your faces, even though you're far away. It's awesome to have some of the rest of our church family participate this Easter. In Acts 13, 29, this is what we just heard. It said, when they had carried out all that was written about Jesus, all that the prophets had foretold, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Period. End of sentence. They laid him in a tomb. It's the end of a sentence, but I'm certainly glad that it's not the end of Jesus' story. In between the time when Jesus was crucified and the time that he was resurrected, there was a period of time, a gap, if you will, between those two events that must have been extraordinarily difficult for Jesus' followers. Must have been unbelievably difficult. They found themselves in a season, in a gap, a situation that they didn't plan for. They didn't see it coming. They never imagined that they would be in that situation. Everything that they thought would last forever. Jesus' popularity. Uh, Jesus was on the ascension. He was performing miracles, and they had this privileged spot right alongside of him as insiders. Everything that they they thought would continue on forever has now abruptly come to an end, and they are in the middle of a full-blown crisis as they lay him in a tomb. Surely we can relate to that. There's an awful lot happening in our lives right now that we didn't plan for, that we didn't see coming. We weren't planning on losing jobs. People weren't planning on getting sick. People weren't planning on living in isolation from one another. People weren't planning on not having a plan. We weren't planning on any of that, and yet here we are in the gap between what was and what we hope will be. That first Easter weekend, Jesus' followers found themselves in that same kind of gap between what was and what hopefully would be. They found themselves unsure about the future, but what they knew for sure was that the past was gone, and on that Friday, they laid him in a tomb, and life as they knew it was over. And on that Saturday, they found themselves standing in between the past and what they hoped would be their future. They found themselves stuck, uncertain, afraid, uh, suffering loss, not sure where to go. All of us have been there, and not even just right now. We've all experienced uncertainty about our future. We've all experienced that kind of fear and anxiety, even in the normal things of life. Back in the 1930s, there was an author who hoped to make his living writing children's books. And so he poured his life into writing a story about a boy who went for a walk. And as he was on this walk, he spent his time fantasizing about a, an imaginary situation that he was going to tell his dad about when he got home. He was going to tell his dad about all the fantastic experiences he had while he was on this walk. But then eventually when he got home and found himself in a moral dilemma between telling his dad the truth about reality and telling his dad the fantastic story, he opted for the truth instead. And this author pitched this story, this children's story about the boy, to 27 different publishers and was rejected by every single one of them over a period of time. Every single time he had to walk away rejected, unsure if anyone would ever publish his story. 
After the 27th rejection, as he was walking home, he ran into a friend from college. And the friend asked him, hey, what's that you're carrying there? What's that, what's that book? And he said, this is a book that no one will ever publish, and I'm going to take it home and burn it. Well, as it turned out, that particular friend had just become uh, the editor at a publishing house. And the name of that book was, And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street. And the name of the author was Theodore Geisel. Of course, the world knows him by his pen name, Dr. Seuss. Oftentimes in our lives, we find ourselves unsure about what's next. Perhaps something like what Theodore Geisel must have felt on his way home from that 27th rejection. What am I going to do now? Perhaps something like he felt on his way home from the 26th rejection and the 25th rejection. Sometimes we find ourselves unsure about the future. Perhaps a little bit like Jesus' followers felt on that Saturday. And we shouldn't be surprised that sometimes we find ourselves unsure about the future. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he told his followers, in this world, you will have trouble. But he followed it up with a promise. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That Saturday for us, that gap time between what used to be and what we hope will be, sometimes that Saturday can feel like forever. It can be a place of darkness. It can be a place of despair. Surely it was for them, but they had Jesus' commitment. I have overcome the world. They waited and they waited and they wondered, but for them eventually, guess what? Saturday came and went. They took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Eventually, Sunday came, just as it will for you and I. But the question I want to know is, what was up with Saturday? Why'd they have to go through the agony and the waiting? Why'd they have to experience the difficulty? And the reason is, Saturday was essential for the people to know that Jesus was raised by the power of God. He didn't just sleep it off, but God raised him. So for you and I, as we're all kind of in a little bit of limbo right now. We're in a gap time as a culture, as a society, as a world, really. Uh, But also in other seasons of life, as we go through those gaps, the gap is essential for us to know that God has delivered us. It's essential for us to understand that God is for us. That's the time when we draw close to God. God raised him from the dead after the gap. And for many days, it says, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now witnesses to our people. The question that we all have to answer about Jesus isn't, is he real? It's not, was he a teacher, a prophet, or something else? The question we all have to answer about Jesus is, was he really resurrected? Because if he really was resurrected, then he truly is everything that he claimed to be. If he's truly, truly risen, then we can believe him when he said, I am with you always to the very end. If he's truly resurrected, then we can take him at his word. And right now, an awful lot of us are in a gap, like maybe Jesus' followers were between Friday and Sunday. The gap between how things used to be and the gap between how we're hoping that they will be. And if Christ is risen... We have every reason to be hopeful because our Savior has truly come. It means that God has truly paved a way for us to know him if Christ is risen. The Bible says 
that Jesus paid for our sins when he died on the cross. Now, someone might say, sin, I mean, what's that? Like, that sounds like kind of a religious word. I, I don't even know what that has to do with me. Listen, we've all sinned, all of us, and we all know it, even if we don't consider ourselves a religious or spiritual person. Every single person listening has done, said, and thought things that they knew were wrong, but then did it anyway. That's sin. Every single one of us has done that, and we all know we have. But because Jesus paid the bill when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for that sin, we now have the right to be called the children of God by simply believing that Jesus did the work for us. If Christ is risen, we have every reason to hope because our Sunday is coming. The other side of our storm is coming. So I want to read for you uh, one last scripture, and uh, I want to ask every person who's watching, listening, to make a decision about what you're going to do with this verse. It's found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Christians at Corinth, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what he says. He said, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, the most important thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, just as the Scripture said, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. The most important thing you could ever make a decision on is whether or not Jesus is risen. Is Jesus risen? You know what I love about this particular verse? I love that Paul says the most important thing for you to know is that Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And just in case you don't believe me, here's a huge list of people you can go who witnessed it. If you're making it up, you don't put the witness part in there. I love that part. Paul is calling all of us to make a decision. Ephesians 2 tells us really plainly that we don't earn God's favor. And we don't work our way into good standing with God. It says that we are saved by grace through faith. So I want to ask you today, will you put your faith in him? Will you put your hope in him? Perhaps God's purpose in your life during this gap that we're all in, perhaps his purpose is to cause you to look to him. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I just want to pray with you right now if you would. Lord, thank you so much that even though I am a sinner and I have been wrong, I've been rebellious, I've done things that I know I shouldn't do, I know that my heart isn't always right, thank you that you paid the bill for my sin when you sent your son to die on the cross. So God, I want to turn your direction. I want to acknowledge that you are the Lord. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for raising from the dead to defeat death on my behalf so that I can live with you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you said yes to Jesus, I want to welcome you to the family of God. The most commonly given instruction in the Bible, the thing that God tells his people to do more often than anything else is this, don't be afraid because I am with you. And now that you're in God's family, you've received salvation through Christ, that's for you too. Don't be afraid because God is with you. The Bible tells us to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And it all starts with faith in Christ.